0: Rational discussion, common sense, open debate. RCR, Reality Check Radio with Rodney Hyde. For my second guest, uh, I'm speaking to Ro Edge. Uh, She heads up Save Our Women's Sport. It's um, an organization that if you'd asked anyone five years ago or 10 years ago, you would have said it's not needed. Uh, But the situation is is that any boy or any man that chooses to can now play in the women's league, in any sport. Um, This is a trouble one for me because it just seems so wrong. It just seems so nutty that I struggle to see the other side of the argument, if you know what I mean. Uh, Yet nonetheless, it's been pushed along and it's happening. It's happening in the community. It's happening in the schools. Uh, If we don't stop it, It'll be the end of sports for girls, as I see it, sports for women. And we're very lucky to have Roe Edge speaking out and Roe Edge joining us today. So it's my great pleasure here on the Reality Check Radio, where we do have open debate, rational discussion, to invite along Row Edge. Now, Rowe has... Did you start the organisation? You're part of the organisation, Save Women's Sports. I want to hear about that soon. But what I want to hear, Ro, from you is what is the issue here? What's happening in New Zealand to women's sports that's got you organised?
1: Well, I think it's just the whole undermining of the integrity of the women's category. You know, we set up the women's category in sport to ensure that women have this, the females have the same opportunities as males to excel in their sports. And what's happened is we've got sports policies that are completely undermining the integrity of it, the fairness, the safety, and the opportunities for females in sport by allowing males who self ID as females into the female category. And it's really simple like, you know, there's a biological difference. It's why all the sporting records from like five years upwards are won by males because women are different. It doesn't mean that we're worse, we're just, we're biologically built differently. And we all used to understand that.
0: So but now. <laughs> For as long as any of us can remember, probably ever since there's been organized sport, we have had a male and a female category. Doesn't matter whether it's weightlifting, running, tennis, golf, always male, female. Um, and then we introduced um what well, you know, the Paralympics or um special sports. I don't know what they call that now. So we've always had that. And now you're saying Someone who has had a change of policy. Who's had this change? Where's this policy coming from?
1: Well, it was driven initially by the IOC. So what happened, I think... What's the IOC? Um, oh, sorry, the International Olympic Committee. Okay. So this is where it all stems from. I think it was in 2017, a, a trans athlete called Joanna Harper presented a study. She was on the Olympic Committee. She presented a self um Directed study to the IOC that basically she was arguing that that if males just reduce their testosterone, then they could compete fairly with females. So the study wasn't peer reviewed. It was 16 athletes over 20 years, I think, the, the period of time was. And the IOC just went, yeah, okay, we'll just lower the testosterone limit for males, make it 12 months, they have to lower it, and then they can participate in female sport. No scientific evidence, no, like, checking their data. And I just want you to think about how many years women had to fight to get their sports into the Olympics, I mean, the marathon yes. 1984, ski jumping was only 2014 because literally there was people on the IOC scientific committee who thought it wasn't good for women's
0: insides. No, <laughs> I remember that. I remember when, yeah. I mean, women weren't allowed to compete anywhere in a marathon, as I understood it. Yeah. And I mean, what it was in the 80s or something that a woman yeah, could run? There and was there was a, a famous um, woman that ran, didn't Kate she? Yeah, she ran in the
1: Boston Marathon, and and one of the officials tried to push her out. That's right. But she actually completed it, which was incredible, but
0: yeah. And that was like in the 70s,
1: late 70s? Yeah, I think it was late 70s, but yeah, so the marathon was first introduced to the Olympics in 1984 for women. So it's been a long battle for women to get sports, to be able to participate in sports at that Olympic level.
0: So... What year did you say? 2017. This. Yeah, I think it's
1: 2017. So Joanna this was an
0: athlete who was trans.
1: Yeah, so older as well. So was I don't think they were ever an Olympic athlete, but they just okay. did a self-reported study, presented it to the IOC, and just like that, the IOC opened up the female category. And because sporting leaders around the world thought the IOC would have gone through a thorough process. Of course. Like made sure that all the scientific data needed was, was there. They all followed suit, thinking, okay, well, the IOC's done the job. So we'll just all open up our categories. And so that's the catalyst for this all happening. And then World Rugby did a study in, gosh, was that 2020? And they did, they did this full analysis of all the research. They interviewed people from both sides of the debate, whether it was like ethical, the legal, the you know the women's rights, trans rights, all of that thing. And they came to the conclusion that you could not mitigate male advantage by reducing testosterone. And it was neither fair nor safe. To, do, to have policies that did that. So they protected the female category to females only. But unfortunately, the trans activists undertook this coordinated campaign to all the national unions, basically saying that if they, if they adopted this, they were transphobes and bigots and all the rest, and so they all got scared. So what happened in New Zealand is the New Zealand Rugby Union decided to reject World Rugby's really well thought through research guidelines and start off on their own path. So they went to Sport New Zealand and said, look, we want some funding to do this. Sport New Zealand said, well, if we're going to fund this, then we'll fund doing a study for all sports and create guidelines, transgender inclusion guidelines for all sports. And so then they undertook some consultation and a little bit of research and decided to ignore everything that didn't fit the outcome that they wanted, which was inclusion first, directed by Honourable Grant Robertson, who basically stated that's what he wanted. So they reached the outcome that they wanted at the beginning. And here we have males and females sport all around New Zealand now.
0: Wow. So just let me understand this. World rugby, have a look at it, do the research, say no. The individual unions in each country come under pressure. They say, we want to have a look at it here in New Zealand. They go to Grant Robertson. Grant Robertson says, let's have a look at it. He says, let's do it for all sport. And the situation now is I could be a girl or a woman. And if I guess did some things, I could meet a criteria and play on the boys or the men's team.
1: You don't have to do anything. Rodney, you could turn up at your local tennis club tomorrow night and say, just for the purposes of tennis, I wish to self-ID as a female they would have to let you play as a female in the female division and use the female changing rooms. If they didn't, that would be discrimination. And if any females complain about it, that would be bullying and harassment. And there's a process to go through.
0: See, I struggled to believe you.
1: <laughs> um, look, the, the Transgender Guidelines for Sport New Zealand are available on their website. So anybody that wants to painfully read them, because they are very, very painful, uh, we'll let you know. Do that. Like, really educate yourself into what is going on here. Ideology has taken over any common sense, scientific, biology, anything. It's just,
0: it's... So just... what would happen if my local tennis club said, no, because they know everyone in the community, you are definitely a guy, and we're not going to have you in our club if you're going to pull that? Could they could do that? You can
1: play against them. A human rights complaint. It would first go through Sport New Zealand. Do they have a process for dealing with it and for re-educating people? <laughs> so yeah, there's a process.
0: I'm just going to have to let that think sink in a bit.
1: Mm-hmm. So we already have like there's a male who has identified into roller derby in Nelson. Just
0: oh, sorry, f- and the roller derby
1: into roller derby into female What's that? roller derby I don't know in what Nelson. Oh, it's a cool sport. It's oh. like it's yeah. Roller roller skates. i learned
0: so much talking to you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's a really cool sport. But, like, um, so he just self-identified into the sport for the purposes of it. There were women on there that have been, like, have suffered domestic violence, right? They're on the rink with this guy who is really aggressive. And after one of the the first um, roller derby events, she just said to him after, like, trying to be really kind and inclusive, She's a counsellor, lovely, lovely, understanding woman. Said, look, would you mind just being a little bit less aggressive because it actually it really triggered me because of the experiences I've had with domestic violence. He basically complained about her and she was being pushed out of the club because she's a transphobe and a bigot. So this is this is where we're at. And, you know, the, the sex categories, they were created because they they allow maximal inclusion. Because based on biological sex, that means as many people can be included as possible in a in as fair and safe way as possible. But when you allow males into the female category, all you do is exclude women. Because if mm. they no longer feel safe, they will leave. Whether that's so, on the sports field or in their changing rooms,
0: they will just leave. So this roller derby sounds is like you're on roller skates. Yeah. And you're like playing hockey or something like that. No, no, it's racing on rollerblades. Okay. So yeah. you're racing on rollerblades, very physical. Yeah. And they could be pushing you?
1: Oh, yeah, there's a lot of pushing that goes on. It's like it's a full contact sport. It's an awesome sport to watch. And, and when, you're, when you're in contact sports with other women, it's fine because you're all similar kind of like yeah. strength and, and you can tolerate. And, yeah, sure, there's still injuries that happen, but it's against other women. But when you've got a male that's doing that, the force is so much greater and this is what World Rugby found when they did their research you know that even if you have a male exactly the same size as a female the amount of power that male has from his fast twitch fibers to like the larger muscles, hearts, lungs, everything the force that they have is 30% greater in a tackle than if a female of a similar size was tackling another female. Now females suffer concussion Far easier and for longer. My daughter had a, had a major concussion injury for over a year. So it, it takes us a lot longer to recover from it as well. But it seems that these rugby guys have just like thought, oh, well, there's so few. It doesn't matter if just a few women get hurt. But what we've seen, interestingly, is that England, Ireland, Wales... And Scotland have all reversed the trans inclusion policy, so they all went down the same road as the New Zealand Rugby Union. But because it was, it just they couldn't deal with the safety issue. It became a massive issue for them. They've all well, it must be an issue, policy.
0: yeah. And of course, we have a, a government with the Labor government that is very LGBTQ plus friendly, yeah. And so they won't want anyone to back down or reverse.
1: No, but it's really interesting. So we had some polling done, say Women's Sport. We did some polling a year ago and then last February as well. And only 21% of Labor voters actually support this. Wow. So they're not even representing their own community. Wow. So only 16% <laughs> of Kiwis overall supported it. So we know that most people understand that it's not right. But, you know, we put this press release out to the media a few weeks ago and only SENS Radio, which is a sport radio, picked it up. On International Women's Day, we put it out. Every other media outlet ignored it because it doesn't fit the narrative that they're pushing.
0: Well, how wonderful it is to have you on. I know. I
1: love having you guys here. So, so tell
0: me, um, it's are you a transphobe?
1: No, I'm a women's rights campaigner. Like, you know, I want everyone to participate in sport. Now, we all know the mental and physical benefits it brings by participating in sports, being in sports teams. It's, it's so important. We just need to find better ways to enable inclusion that don't exclude half the population.
0: So what would you do if I was trans or that a trans person wants to play a sport? How would you accommodate them?
1: Well, the easiest way is to accommodate them in the category of their biological sex, but ensure that they had changing facilities that they felt safe and secure in, but also that didn't compromise that feeling for females as well. The other Um, option is that you open up the male category because no one's disadvantaged by having females in the male category, but females are very disadvantaged by having males in the female category, or you create an open division, which is what
0: Boxing New Zealand have done. And you've put that to the government? yeah they don't, care. <laughs> they don't is there some, care there's some sort of ideology going on here that biological sex is neither here nor there and what you're saying and arguing is that biological sex is real and it matters and it shows up particularly in sport in these amazing ways and you have to respect that for the sake of you know the integrity of sport, but it cuts right across what I'd say. And I don't understand this. I I, I struggle to understand it. It it cuts right across the ideology that sex is something that is culturally determined and it's not really sex. It's gender.
1: Yes. I've conflated gender with sex. I mean, we even saw that in our census, you know, to fill out the census, you had to give yourself a gender identity. I don't have a gender identity, no. I have a sex, so they're they're compelling us to adhere to this new religion that most of us don't want nor understand.
0: Because historically there were it wasn't a big deal trans athletes because there's never been many transsexuals.
1: Yeah, and before two, before 2017, like you, it was required you had a full sex change. Now, that is a massive ordeal for trans people to go through. And it would take years and years, and most of them probably wouldn't complete their transition until, you know, later in life where they are not, you know, full on competitive athletes. So it was never an issue. But also too, that the transvestites then, which is what they called themselves, they wanted to fly under the radar and just be accepted. You know they they wouldn't push their way into women's spaces unless they found the woman accepted them and wanted them to be there, whereas now we have this new generation where they just feel so entitled that they can do what they want irrelevant of other people's feelings it's all about theirs you know is it so actual sensitive.
0: trans people pushing it or is it a wider push
1: oh it's a wider push as well it's It seems to be the the new you know the gay rights campaign which was fought amazingly you know it's almost like that was fought and won and so they needed the, there's a group of people of activists that needed a new fight and so they've taken this on and run with it mm. but it's yeah
0: because you see i could go along to my i could be a complete pervert right i to be careful i word this so you could be a pervert join a local club identify as a woman for the purposes of it and access to changing rooms
1: we've already got that happening so yeah there was two women that went to a local gym and there was a male they walked into the changing facilities and there was a male sitting there and so they thought gosh if i walked into the wrong changing room they went out no females walked in and he was just sitting there watching that's all he was doing and they went down to reception and said Look, this isn't right and they just said he's transitioning you have to let him be so what we've done with the south south sex id Stuff is that we have basically created an open door for predators to go into female, predators and perverts basically, to go into female changing facilities to, that actually puts major safeguarding issues in place. And, and this and would I'm be. Not, a... And I'm not saying that all of them are going to do that, but there are always a small percentage of the population that will take advantage of any opportunity. And this allows them to do that. And questions can't be asked. Women can't stand up for themselves against this.
0: So if you're a private gym, of course. And if you excluded a person who said they're transitioning, you'd be front-page news and hounded out of business.
1: Yeah, unfortunately so, yeah.
0: But then if you're a business and this guy assaults one of the women, you're in trouble also presumably for not keeping them safe.
1: Oh, the media would report it as a female, assaulting a female, (laughs) because that's how they identify. Yeah, I know. It's it's a no-win situation. It puts businesses, it puts sports in like a precarious position that they shouldn't be in. It's, yeah,
0: it's just So when I go to my local club, rugby, um, cricket, golf, athletics, roller derby, I decide when I walk in what gender I'll participate in. So, you can, Now, if I want to compete at a regional, national level, do I still just self ID?
1: Yes, yeah, so the, the big lie that Sport New Zealand has has spread is that this is only community sport, it's not elite sport. But literally every sport in New Zealand, up until you represent your country, is community sport. So, you know, when I go and watch my, my nephew, 14-year-old nef- nephew at the tennis nationals, he's playing community sport. If he decided to ID as a female, he could easily take out the female competition. Community sport is right up to that representative
0: level. Gee whiz. And then to represent New Zealand in a sport, what do you have to do?
1: Well, that depends then on the National Sporting Association, but then you also get into the um, whatever the world rules are. So, for instance, world rugby, you, males who identify as females cannot participate in, at world rugby level at their sanctioned events. FINA, who um, run the International Swimming Federation, they've also brought a rule in. Their one slightly different. They decided that anyone that's been through male puberty is not allowed to compete at the international level. And they've asked all of their national unions to take that on, or the national federations to take that rule on too. I'm unsure actually whether um, Swimming Swim New Zealand has, but I know that they were very keen to.
0: So around the world, there is already a pushback?
1: Yeah, there is. So British triathlon has pushed back and protected the category to females only. But at the same time that this is happening, We're also getting all of these new rules like world rowing. Oh, no, USA Rowing brought out an interesting one, right? They basically said any male could ID into the female category. But in the mixed rowing, you could only have so many women, including those who ID'd into it, and so many men. So they were protecting the male category, but opening up the female category. So they recognized biological sex for the mixed teams, but they didn't recognize it for the women's teams. So Rowing New Zealand allows it. Males can identify into the female category in rowing New Zealanders events as well.
0: So my girls could be going on, say, a rowing camp and competing as girls. And there could be a boy in their team who says he's a girl, but to all intents and purposes, to you and me and to everyone else looking, he's a boy. He's a male, yeah. He makes their team. He goes away to them in camp. He could he be see- sharing a dorm with your daughter. Changing rooms, yeah. Well, that's if that happened once to me as a father, my girls would never would they. I would never allow that to happen. So the school would. So the girls sport, get exploded. Yeah, the sport would be over for them.
1: Yeah, and I know, you know, we used to have so many protections around safeguarding for young people going on school camps, like sports camps, all of that sort of thing. We seem to have thrown out all the safeguarding measures.
0: All it's, a the- very, it's, a, it's a very funny thing to me because I'm, um, I don't even think I'm right wing, I'm just a hardcore libertarian, but if you look at, you know, in conservative, and if you look at um, the left wing, who I typically oppose, they have always been about women's space, women's refuge, protecting women, um, gender equality in the sense that women's sports should be equal to men's sports in terms of funding and payment and all the rest of it. So they were really, really big on protecting women's spaces and, And for men, right, and I think this is where J.K. Rowling has got caught. Mm. All of a sudden now, the same advocates, correct me if I'm going wrong on this, but this is just me looking at this. Suddenly they've said there's no such thing as a woman's safe space or a woman's sports by virtue, or a woman's prison, as we saw famously in, in, yes. in, in jurisdictions, because a man can ID as a woman. And I'm looking at that and thinking, hang on, um, if I was a feminist and pushing for a woman's right to do stuff, compete in a marathon, um, have a woman's refuge, um, you've just done it can't they what the hell well
1: there's a lot of left women that can see it and you know they're feeling quite politically homeless at the moment because they have real concerns you know our most vulnerable women are in prison and they're allowing males to self-id into female prisons and we've seen here in
0: New Zealand is that happening
1: yeah there is like they have a process they go through and I think after the sex self-id legislation was passed they actually delayed it to work out how they could try to do this safely if that is indeed possible but, you know, um, California is just the biggest shocker at all. Like anyone can self-ID into the women's prison and they're allowing it. There's like literally hundreds of them in women's prisons and women. are no. raped, They're getting pregnant. You know, it's just, but their, their voices don't matter. It, the most vulnerable woman in our society, their voices do not matter. And yeah, it's, it's absolutely
0: gutting to see. And I, well, I can't imagine anything more horrific than being a woman locked up. Right. And you're locked mm-hmm. up with a man. Yeah, help me, um, you mentioned this self-ID legislation. What's that? So um, as
1: part of the Birth, Deaths and Marriages Act, they were doing a an update to the legislation. And so it went through public submissions, process, et cetera. And then just before it went through for its second reading, I think the Greens and Labour added in a clause to enable anyone to, they used to always be able to change your sex, but there was a process to go through, a court process to prove that you were actually living as the opposite sex. So, that, that opportunity was already there, but they basically opened it up so anyone can just self ID and change the gender marker on their birth certificate. And you can change it multiple times as well.
0: I can change my birth certificate. Yeah, yeah. Can I you change can the be date? A woman if you wanted to be, Rodney. Can, can I change the date?
1: <laughs> no, no, you can't change your age, only your sex.
0: I did not know that. Yeah. So, I could present a birth certificate that says this is Roe Hyde.
1: Yeah, you could do if you wanted to. <laughs> They've made the process that easy. But, you know, no one shows their birth certificate when they go into a space. But what it's meant now is that people are too scared to question anyone because if they they are what they say they are.
0: Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, you're uh, shocking me, uh, Tim McCall. So a girls' school, I, boys could go to a girls' school.
1: Yeah, we have. I've got a nephew who's got a girl actually that goes to a boys' school down in Wellington. So yes, they can do. There are, I think, some um, private boarding girls' boarding schools trying to work out how they deal with this because it's you know it's a risk. Teenage boys, remember what you were like as a teenage boy. Yeah, like like I've got a boy. Their testosterone falls through their teenage years. It's just. It's nuts, you know, and we've created all these gender neutral toilets now at schools and universities as well that girls are too scared to use. I know girls that purposely will not drink at all during the day because they're too scared to go to the toilet. Or if they need to, they will leave the school or the university to go. Or during when they have their period, they just won't go to school because they don't want to go to a gender neutral toilet where they have to deal with changing their tampons with boys in the
0: in the next cubicle
1: door. next to them. It's... Well,
0: my girls won't go to it. They're at primary school and they won't go to the toilet at school because the boys always make a mess. Oh and yeah, there they, is
1: that too.
0: They <laughs> find the toilet filthy.
1: Yeah.
0: And so they literally come home busting to go to the toilet. And um it's but let's you've obviously met, if you like, the other side to this argument. Tell me their best argument to you.
1: Oh, just oh let me I try. all about inclusive of diversity. But no, let
0: me not. tell you. Let me try, right? So there's always been people, this is the argument, who aren't comfortable in their assigned sex and feel that they're something else. So here I am, everyone's telling me a boy, that I'm a boy, I'm 10 years old, I don't feel a boy, I feel a girl. Parenthetically, I don't know how a boy knows what it's like to feel like to be a girl, but I'm thinking that, right, in my head. And then, currently, if I say that, people say, oh, well, you could be a girl, right, in New Zealand because you've admitted it. And now I'm different, and I feel somewhat excluded because I don't fit. I can't remember which way I was going. Oh, that's why I'm becoming a girl. I don't fit with the boys because I feel a bit girly, and the girls won't readily accept me because um, they regard me as a boy. Now, we know this has happened down through the ages. My understanding is historically it used to be something like one in 120,000 would have a condition like this for whatever reason. And so you've got a person that's left out and a bit excluded. So we say, okay, let's make you, let's honour you as a person. And so we'll make room for you. And part of me says, well, what's wrong with that, right? Because it's no skin off my nose that someone feels strongly about something and want to be something else. Um, So I can sort of sense the argument.
1: Yeah. And look, we all want everybody to feel comfortable and to live as they want to live. They can dress as they want to dress. They can you know, identify how they want. But the problem we have is when it creates a clash of rights, and, yes. what, and which is what this has done. It's the rights of this trans person to be feel validated in the sex that they identify as and the rights of women to have you know, safe spaces and places where male bodies don't exist. The yeah. very good reason, and yeah. and we need, and the biggest problem has been that we never have this conversation because we just get chance and shut down. And you've just looked at what happened. I don't know if, any, if anyone's seen what happened in Melbourne yesterday
0: no, and tell the,
1: me. the fallout from that. So, um, Kelly J. Keen, who is a women's rights campaigner from the UK, is touring Australia and then coming to New Zealand next weekend, and she held a Let Women Speak event in Melbourne. And we had all the trans activists there. Basically, they had to be kept back by police and horses because they were threatening women and trying to attack them. They then, these like it was just completely bizarre. Then, all of a sudden, these Nazis apparently appeared, these guys walking in black doing the Nazi salute. And the police allowed them to go through and stand on the stairs next to the women's rights campaigners. They had nothing to do with the Let Women Speak event, yet the police enabled them to go up there. And it just seemed a little bit too convenient because, you know, women's rights campaigners are called far right. You know, anyone that doesn't agree with the intolerant left is called far right these days. Mm. They're not far right. Most of the women come from the left of politics and they're just so disillusioned. But these Nazi campaigners were allowed to stand on the stairs next to where this women's event was and then marched between the trans activists and the women's rights groups doing their Nazi solution. The police allowed them to do that and then let them walk away. (laughs) And so, of course, now you have all of the activists and the left basically saying, see, we told you so. Women's rights campaigners are Nazis. <laughs> it's, it's just these culture wars are so mind-boggling. Like you know, the far left and the far right. Neither of them like women's rights. They don't support us in terms of what we're fighting for, and and most people don't
0: support them either. Like they're just. So your working assumption is is I oppose this lady speaking and what she stands for. So I organise a group of protesters. I get the media along, and then I organise a bunch of us to turn up to be pretend to be supporting her, but wear Nazi outfits, and presumably they covered their faces?
1: Yeah, a lot of them were covered. Look, I don't know if that is what happened, but it just seemed all very, very convenient. Well, you
0: don't think of Melbourne as a sort of... Nazi place, do you? I mean...
1: Oh, well, Dictator Dad, come on. Oh, well, that's true. You think about, like, what happened during COVID in Victoria. It was a nightmare. Horrific. Yeah, and so, and, yeah, he is not a friend of woman at all. But what ended up happening, despite how these Nazis were there and the trans activists, what ended up happening is all that was heard were men's voices, all the media is concentrated on is the men's voices. They've completely ignored the women and what they were saying and instead just tarred them with the brush of these bloody Nazis who had nothing to do with them. And, and weren't yeah, there to listen. No, they weren't, they weren't there to support women, and they put a statement out after basically saying they think Kelly, Kelly J. Keene's support of um, lesbians is a liberal and, well, just, yeah.
0: And Kelly J. <laughs> Kelly J. Keene is coming to New Zealand?
1: Yes, she is. She's going to be in Auckland on Saturday at Albert Park, and then in well- Wellington on Sunday.
0: And if someone who's listening wanted to go along and hear her speak, oh, look, how'd they we do-
1: would we would love people to come along because we need support. We need. So, them.
0: how would they find out about where to go and how to get on? Um, they could go or-
1: to Gosh, they could go to our Save Women's Sport Facebook page because I've put the details on there. Actually, I can probably bring it up and find those for you. But um, speak. Oh, Standing for woman. There's a website as well that will have the details on there as well. Great. Yeah, but we need people.
0: And are men welcome?
1: Yes, definitely. Ah, But all Kelly J says is that we want women to speak first. Men are welcome to speak, but we want women to have the opportunity to speak first because it's our rights that are under attack.
0: Well, it's quite, I feel quite strongly about it for sport because my wife was a sportswoman and um, she was a professional squash player. And she couldn't compete, I mean, her brother played a little, and mm-hmm. he was well down the list, but he could beat the world number one female player you yeah. know, and yeah. um, my wife couldn't beat her brother, and yet she was ranked in the world very high um so if 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 her brother fast forward now, if her brother decided to identify as a woman, um, he would be the world number one in a week. Yeah, probably. Um, and, And likewise, I've got my girls who enjoy sport, play a lot of sport, absolutely love competing. At this stage, they're very young, and so we're doing it for fun. But you can imagine them picking on a particular sport and saying, oh, I want to take this quite seriously. Mm. And then they could get to 15 or 16 or 17 or 18 and be wiped out by a guy turning up and presenting as a woman, just wiped out all that work, all that dedication, all their hopes and their dreams for their sport. Yeah. Wiped out. And so, although I'm a man and in one sense, not directly affected by this, I really feel for my girls. And I also feel I feel for the lie, you know, and underneath it, there's a lie that's occurring and a lack of reality, reality radio, I guess. But it's like, there is this reality of sex and I don't want to exclude anyone. And I don't have any trouble with someone who says, look, I'm, Bill, I'm like this. And I say, fine, uh, let's work this out. Right. Um and I can imagine people of goodwill working it out. But and the side... what's
1: what's the shame about it though, Rodney, is that the the athletes, the trans athletes that are participating, they're wearing, they're copping the crap because the sporting leaders haven't created decent policies that protect them, protect females as well. And so you have the likes of Kate Weatherly, who's the male who identifies as a female, cycling and downhill mountain biking, taking all the podium positions. He's won $8,000 worth of female prize money in the last few years. And women can't complain. Like Shania Rawson raised.
0: Is this a Kiwi one or yep, an internet? Yep, Kiwi, Kiwi
1: one. Yep, Kiwi yeah, tell one.
0: me about this because I don't know the story.
1: So Kate Weatherly transitioned from male to female, gosh, I can't remember what year, was it 2018? 19 I think and basically over a three week period went from racing in the male downhill races to racing in the females and the males he was a mediocre male right came over to the females ended up winning the women's downhill nationals only five girls turned up to compete because they probably thought what's the point so when you
0: say he transitioned in three weeks what did that transition involve
1: uh, identifying as a female changing his details on the Cycling New Zealand forms. He helped them write this, the policy for transgender athletes as well.
0: So as far as we know, he's still got all down there.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. As far as we know, I'm, like, I'm not going to ask <laughs> that detail, but he's no. still got his male advantage, you know. And But the problem is because Cycling New Zealand has allowed this. You know, there is anger brewing at this disservice to females and what's happening is the female athletes can't speak out when shania rawson did the one that did she was made an example of and you know she probably lost her sponsorship she she ended up withdrawing from the sport for a while but cycling new zealand just told her to try harder focus on her own her own sport and and just try harder like she could somehow mitigate that male like that male advantage i mean it's unbelievable Yeah, I mean, the sport did. So
0: there's not a sporting leader or sporting organisation or sponsor prepared to stand up for that young woman?
1: No, because everyone's so fearful of this cancel culture we now live in. And the ridiculous thing is, so our survey, our polling results that we did showed that only 16% of Kiwis support this. By far, the majority don't. But everyone is so fearful of speaking up, but we need to. If we don't all speak up and we remain silent, this is just going to happen more and more. And And of course,
0: if we all speak up, then we can't all be targeted, right? Yeah, exactly. Tell me, um, I went on your website this morning and I read the amazing letter that you wrote to Grant Robertson, who's the Minister of Sport. And it was a very considered letter saying, look, we just need more time, we need to study this property to see what the adverse impacts are going to be. Mm. And it was signed by some of New Zealand's sporting greats. Yeah. Right? Like legends. Yeah. And of no political bent. I mean, it's not a right, left, Labour, National, Act, Green. These were people who have given a lot to sport, got a lot out of sport, entertained us, inspired us, and they're saying, think before you do this. That goes off to Grant Robinson. I would be thinking if I was a politician, I got that letter. I'd be thinking, whoa.
1: So what Grant said is that they're conflating community sport with elite sport. This doesn't affect elite sport and brush it off just with those comments.
0: But of course, it, your, your point is, and their point is, as uh, is A, community sport leads into elite sport, but more particularly, it's community sport all the way up.
1: Yeah, community sport is the pathway to elite sport. If you take away opportunities in community sport, then you're never going to have those aspirational females reaching the elite level that will inspire the next generation of young women to try and get to that level as well. we'll lose. But it's a
0: mountain biker, why would you compete?
1: No, and so what we're finding is, like, we've been doing quite a bit of research on this because it's frustrating that the females won't speak up, but then they saw what happened to Shania, so they're all too scared. But what we're seeing is that they're deliberately avoiding the events that Weatherly enters. And so each time there's different women on the podium with them in second and third place, of course, each time they're different because once you've lost to them once, women try to find other events they can go to where they can actually win, have a chance of winning.
0: Wouldn't you – how old is this guy or girl, whatever he is, whatever?
1: Um, Weatherly must be 22, I would say, about now, 22, 23. Wouldn't you
0: be embarrassed?
1: He's not he's a he's a complete activist. He just feels entitled to to be where he is. But
0: but we've got to But you're putting on, you know, I go to a lot of sports events with my kids, and there's all these volunteers, and it's a big deal. And you know, we're doing our best to make it fair, make it reasonable. Everyone has a shot. You're gonna have a winner, you're gonna have a second, you're gonna get a third, then you're going to place, and everyone's good for it, and you'll have a great day and you'll go home. Well, if I turned up, say I do a lot of officiating at ski racing, not that I can ski, I've actually always got to be the guy down the bottom who sort of clogs up in his shoes, right? But I love it, and I love watching these kids pour their heart and soul into it. Mm. Like only a kid can, you know? And they give it their best, oh, didn't make it today, you know? Well, if there was a boy racing against those girls, because I know the times, the difference between the boys and the girls is night and day. Yeah, I wouldn't volunteer because I'd say, this is so rigged. I'm not interested in volunteering my time.
1: And it's actually a big risk for sporting organisations. I used to run the regional sporting organisation and trying to get volunteers is such a challenge. If you you have volunteers that are not allowed to question when males walk into female changing rooms or play in female teams, rather than deal with the consequences if they raise concerns, they'll just leave. It's too hard. And we desperately need volunteers. So it's going to create a lot of
0: challenges. And parents, I wouldn't put my girls into that humiliation of... Because you always want to say, oh, well, you know, yeah, next time. But, of course, I could never say next time when it's a boy beating them mm-hmm. because the, the next time will be the same result. We know that from the statistics. It's just not possible. Yeah. Um, are they so gutless? What's our sporting officials, Are sporting
1: leaders, yeah, they are.
0: Who are, are they scared they- of?
1: They're scared of the media because the media run this narrative that they they portray represents the majority of Kiwis, but it doesn't at all, which is why they turn comments off most of the posts that they have relating to this because they don't want to hear from ordinary Kiwis, just like they didn't want to publish our survey results, because our polling results, because it doesn't fit their narrative. So, so
0: the media they're scared of, obviously this government is full on, fully on yeah. board. So let's say I'm a corporation. I could be a big company that's marketing. Couldn't I do extremely well in New Zealand by putting my head over the parapet, sort of get that word right, and stand up for women's sport? Wouldn't I become up. a hero?
1: Oh, no, because they've all signed up to the rainbow tick. Basically, they have to adhere to certain rules. Did you see what happened with today then with Leah Parniper and Miles Daney? Yes, I did right? Okay, so they said what most Kiwis thought, right? (laughs) That's all they said, what the majority of Kiwis thought. Now, because MediaWorks is part of the Rainbow Tick Organisation, which gets a huge amount of funding from corporates and governments, that basically it's enforcing compelled speech. So they were made to apologise for talking truth, and now they're going through a re-education process.
0: (laughs) That was like something out of a a medieval... It's all Orwellian. It It was totally Orwellian. So... They said, I don't know. I don't think we should be saying pregnant people because if you think about it, only a woman can be pregnant. And then their corporate CEO, MediaWorks, was it? Yeah. Falls on them like a ton of bricks. Doesn't say, look, we run a radio station where our hosts are entitled to their view. No, they were smashed. And those two hosts said, and emphatically that they wouldn't change their minds on this. Well, they did a one eighty degree, so presumably they were gonna lose their jobs. Yeah. They did this most humiliating back back down where we're required to say day is night.
1: Yeah. The Emperor has no clothes.
0: (laughs) Seriously. They had to say that. They had to, yeah. They had no. And then everyone's watching that and thinking, oh, and you see, this is part of what I hate about what we're teaching our young people is that you've actually got to go along with a lie. Yeah. Yeah. You don't. And,
1: and you dare not speak up because even in school, you'll get hammered if you do. If you, yes.
0: Yeah. And I consider myself the most easygoing person I sort of know. I mean, everyone should be able to jog along and, and get along, but it does require a bit of give and take. Yeah. And, um, I can imagine going out of my way um, in the sports that I've been involved in to help a trans athlete or a disabled athlete have a good day. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would love to do that, but I don't want to destroy it for other people. Uh, You do it in a way that's not perfect, but, you know, we can all have a good day. Um, Tell me this. What got you involved in this?
1: Um, I've got a niece who's an Olympic athlete. My daughter was on a US college scholarship for sport just before COVID hit. So, you know, sport is a big part of our family's life. And knowing that they could have a fair and equal opportunity to succeed at the highest level is really important. Do you know what my biggest concern is, though, Rodney, is that because we're getting pushed so far one way with this whole ideology, that the kickback when it happens the other way is going to be damaging to our trans community. Yes, I just wish that we could find a middle ground now, one that works for us as both as much as possible, because I'm really, really concerned that when that kickback happens and it's inevitable, you know, everything swings on a pendulum these days that when it, when it, when it happens, it's going to be so detrimental to them. And I don't want to see that happen either. I want fairness and inclusion for all. I just want to, we just want to have a conversation about how we can make that happen.
0: But you see, we know that 67% or something of New Zealanders agree with you. But you're the one that stood up, put your name to it, put your face to it, spoke out. Why did you do that?
1: Because our female athletes can't. We saw what happened to Shania Rawson, how she was made an example of. They literally can't. And in their contracts, if they're an elite athlete, in their contracts, they can't. If they like disabled oh, they treated place, it? Treated their it contract poorly. could be ripped up. So it's really tough, you know, and a lot of them...
0: Did you and what pushback have you had? How have you been treated as a consequence?
1: Oh, look, I get the normal trans activists online who hammer me with words online, you know, behind their little their little computers, but most people support us.
0: When you say trans activists, are these transsexuals?
1: No. No, they're just activists for the queer community that basically they're yeah, they just support the whole narrative that they push. It's it's everyone from Chenille Lai, who writes in the New Zealand Herald, you know, he did a post this morning on Twitter basically, you know, calling all the let women speak women Nazis, and he hadn't and saying that a woman was tackled to the ground for no reason. Chanel hadn't watched the video at all and seen what had happened. You know, a man dressed as a woman grabbing a mic off a woman, and yes, he was tackled to get the mic back, and later seen without his wig on. You know, <laughs> but he was selling a narrative, pushing a narrative to suit what he, you know, the argument that he's pushing, and it's just I, I really get over the lies. To be honest,
0: I, I was I was quite friendly with Georgina Byer.
1: Now, Georgina's um, lovely.
0: Yeah, well, it was a funny thing because you typically, there was probably half a dozen Labour, I was in Parliament for 15 years. There's probably half a dozen Labour MPs over that time that I would say I developed a friendship with. And she was one of them. And typically they were MPs who had sort of fallen out with the uh, hierarchy. And Georgina was one of those. And then um, we did Dancing with the Stars. Well, she did it a year ahead of me, and then I did it. And so she used to come along and and used to involve me. And I never, ever thought about it, to be honest. Um, Mm. And I never thought about it philosophically. I never thought about it at a personal level. Um, She and I used to socialize together because we'd often be away. And then we started doing sort of fundraising together and um she never struck me as like a person who would want to hurt my girls or no. intrude on my girls she always struck me and i don't know this because i didn't know her that well but she always struck me as a friendly person who just wanted to live her life and i had no trouble with that i mean it wasn't like she'd scream you down to shut. She was more easygoing and thoughtful uh, than most MPs. Um, And so, and I honestly, I never thought about her. Um, Of course, I knew she was transgender and all that, but it it never upset me in the moment. But now, um, this is this reaction you're talking about. Now I'm feeling so put upon and forced into a position, mm. and um, if I ask a question or speak up about well, what does this mean for sport, then I'm immediately attacked in the most personal and bitter way, and there's no debate about this. There's been no discussion. There's been no referendum. There's been no vote on any of this. It's just been top-down, this is how it will go, and all these sporting bodies, all these companies have just Fallen like yeah, and and as you say, these girls, these athletes, who we want supposedly lip service—you know, I'm um, Sanitarium or Coca Cola or Red Bull—I give lip service to supporting women's sport, but we're abandoning them in the most fundamental way that you mm-hmm. could ever imagine. Yep. Isn't that true?
1: Yep, they are. It's gutting. It really is gutting. Like I just I cannot believe that it's being allowed to happen and that everybody is just remaining silent. It when just... you
0: when you look at the other political parties, presumably you interact with them, do you know what the Green Party's position is? I imagine they're like Labour.
1: Oh worse.
0: Yeah. Worse Militantly so do you know yeah. what the national party's position is?
1: National don't want to deal with the kickback from the media, so they're remaining silent on the issue. Even though our polling showed that 71% of their supporters disagreed with it completely. You know, 50 57% of Labour supporters disagreed with it. There's a real opportunity for National to actually make this an issue and draw over the Labour supporters that don't support males and female sport. But ACT, 93% of ACT voters don't support this. So it's resounding. But when we sent them the poll results, silence.
0: So my old party act, um, who I should love and adore, um, they're not coming out on this?
1: No, none of them want to fight the culture wars. They want to just fly under the radar, not have an opinion on it because it's safer. And and they don't realise what they're doing by doing that is disregarding women's rights completely. It's yeah. It's just gutting. I I can't understand our politicians. You use the phrase.
0: You you use the phrase culture wars. Um, Tell me what you think that is.
1: It's basically we have two sides. You know, the, the people, for instance, that believe in gender ideology and want to push it through every facet of our lives. We have the people that don't believe in it and believe in the bi- reality of biological sex. And they feel at war with each other because we never sit down and talk together. There's no effort made by the leaders in our society to bring us together to sort through the issues. We see it on the treaty as well. We see it on climate too. We have these, you know, these us against them on so many issues when if we all sat down and talked together, we'd find that we probably agree with each other on near everything. It's just the minute details that we need to work in. Okay, how can we make this work for everybody? But there's no discussion anymore. It feels like we're being driven apart and polarised. And I don't know whose benefit that serves, but it doesn't serve society's benefit.
0: Can I take it a step further and suggest that I'm very new to this whole idea of a clash of culture? And I shouldn't be, because looking back on it, it's sort of obvious what's been happening. But on one side of the culture war is respect for the individual, a belief in the individual, a belief in reality and a real world and objectivity, a belief in search for the truth and you get closer to the truth,
1: Mm.
0: a belief in rational discussion. And debate, um, a belief in democracy and the rule of law, all what you might describe as the tenets of Western civilization. And then on this other side is a view that says look, reality is a bit of a myth. And there's Roe and Rodney, you know, yakking away about their perception of the world and what they think is real when they're wrong because we have our perception and we're right. And they have their perception because they're nasty right-wingers who only care about money uh, or Nazis or whatever, right? It's sort of some, there's a hidden reason why we think like we think. Mm. And you can't debate them, you can't reason will only take you so far. It's this irrationality, um, on the other side, a rejection of Western civilized living. And when I say Western, I'm not talking about that racially, I'm talking about that in the set of ideas that came out of the Greeks and the Romans, um, and they actually can't sit down and talk about it and debate it and discuss it, nor do they want to.
1: No, they feel it's their moral obligation to re-educate the rest of us because they know better. Yes,
0: and Chris Luxon Luxon does that. He did that to his own MP.
1: Yeah, which was so disappointing to see.
0: Well, it's so disappointing, but it's sort of like the... um, If you think of history, you know, and it's very easy to grab extreme examples, but, you know, we have seen in the 20th century, this whole concept of, um, you're wrong. I'm going to close my ears to your argument and you go and read this book. And when you agree with this book, come back and I'll talk to you. Hmm. And I mean, that's literally what Chris Luxon did, which is the tactics of what we're seeing with the extreme left and these activists. And so I don't think Grant Robertson or the activists that are abusing you, they will never sit down and debate with you because they'd lose.
1: Mm. They just have no interest in it. They don't they I'm I'm just too inferior for them to debate with because my attitude's all wrong.
0: Yeah. And so they they win by bullying. Yeah. And so even though 67% or the majority of New Zealanders agree with you, even though they've never heard your argument because it's not allowed to play. No, we get no airtime. And and most New Zealanders, I believe, don't know what's happened. No. Like I think if, if someone turned up at the local tennis club, there'd be a riot in the first instance, but then they'd realise there's nothing they could do and it would just kill the club. Hmm. So, um I'm like you. I actually fear for what this means, not just on the trans issues, but on almost any issue you can in name, because we're not in a position now to sit down and talk about it, hear the other side, reach a conclusion, agree to disagree or whatever. And where we've normally done that as our parliament. We've done that in our media. We've done that in our our courts, you know, where you get a, a fair suck of the salve. That's not happening. And so this is, to me, why I am so heavily invested and excited by, you know, Reality Check Radio, because it seems to me we need to develop this idea of rational debate open discussion. We can disagree. I can learn from you. You can learn from me. We can go away and think about it mm-hmm. and reach conclusions. But when we haven't been able to do that, and I mean, it's amazing, isn't it, that it's taken it um, Reality Check Radio to get started, just to even have you talking to people.
1: Mm, yes, I so thank you for the opportunity. I'm excited wow.
0: about the future for Reality Check Radio. So, Well, we're going to have soon. you on lots. Now, tell me, for listeners who would like to find more about this issue, what's your web page? It's savewomensport.com or
1: savewomensport.co.nz. We've got a Facebook page as well, Save Women's Sport Australasia. Um, just in terms of those but Let Women Speak events, I've got the details
0: of that too. So Please. Saturday, 25th
1: of March, Albert Park in Auckland at 11am.
0: So it's and out Cal- in the open.
1: Yep, just out in the open. Yep, mm-hmm. it's so. Kelly J has um, modelled it on, you know, the free speech in Hyde Park, free speech corner in Hyde Park. Great. Now, have that opportunity for people to speak freely. Um, and then Sunday, twenty sixth of March, in Civic Square in Wellington at two pm. So you know, love it for as many people to come along and
0: support. And you'll people. be there, right?
1: Oh? I'll be in the Auckland one. Candice Riley, who's our, another spokeswoman for Save Women's Sports, going to be at the Wellington one. Great.
0: Well, thank you for being. I've done one interview on reality check radio, but I actually had a friend run everything for me and I just talked into my phone. And you're the first person that I've sort of got all my equipment set up. Do you know I've never done a Zoom call?
1: <laughs> I know, it's classic.
0: Before. Well and, done. You've um,
1: done it really well. well.
0: <laughs> I like to, I like technology, right? But I've just when that whole COVID thing and everyone was zooming, I just I became like Eeyore or someone and just sort of <laughs> sunk into And I didn't I didn't do Zoom calls. I tried to get the kids, I um, on their, on their Zoom calls for their class. It's three little kids trying to do Zoom calls. Oh my god. And um, you know, one there in that room, one over here in that room, one over in that room, and the poor teacher's trying to deal with I don't know twenty five kids on a jolly Zoom call it was just ghastly. And I think I did it for two days, and then I said that's it, because <laughs> since time immemorial, um, kids have learnt arithmetic and spelling with a little exercise book and and some questions and so I threw the computers away and we sat down there and did that and that was the last time I did any of this because it was so scarring you imagine a little six-year-old trying to do a zoom call well hopefully
1: this hasn't been a scarring experience for you tell me Ro (laughs) tell me Ro are you going to win yes we will common sense will prevail but I just hope our win doesn't come at the cost of the trans community
0: I really do and really of course, really you must take heart from overseas the change that's occurring.
1: Slowly it is, yes. We seem At, to be about five years behind the UK. Okay. UK common sense is starting to prevail there,
0: but we are just a little bit slow on the uptake. But in the meantime, there's a cohort of girls who so are missing, missing out. out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you for your efforts. It's so lovely to have you on. This is Reality Check Radio with Rodney Hyde, and our guest has been uh Ro, and I love you, and your Save Women's Sport is fantastic. All the p- you, most out of you. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much you. for having me and giving us a voice. Okay, my pleasure. Yeah. Bye. That was Ro Edge from Save Our Women's Sport. Uh, please uh, go to the webpage, uh, read, and if you can help in any way, uh, please do because what they're doing is important, not just for the 50% of us that uh play sport as woman but for society because we want to have women support we want to have women feeling safe and uh roe, to someone who's out there uh putting her name out there her face out there and i have to say that takes a lot a lot of bravery so thank you to roe uh please do what you can to support her and go along and hear the hear the speaker it'll be amazing When we say rational discussion, common sense and open debate, we mean it. The Reality Check is here. RCR, Reality Check Radio.